You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. I'm going to talk this morning, and uh, the title of my message is Wisdom at Work. And so I want to talk primarily in the context of uh, how to live your life and how to be a good worker, a good employee, a good co-worker. But if you are uh, if you are a student this morning, this applies to that, or maybe you're retired, you've got some other areas of your life, those things certainly apply as well. And kind of kind of thinking about it, I did a little Google search. I thought I put in it, you know, get paid to do nothing. Wouldn't you love to just get paid to do nothing? And uh, at first, that sounds exciting to me. I'm not sure if I like it or not. So I put in a, I just Googled, get paid to do nothing. And immediately, the job search engine indeed popped up, like, get paid to do nothing. You know, give us your email and we'll give you jobs, you know, email right to your uh, inbox to do nothing. So I'm like, I'll bite on it, you know, get paid to do nothing. And sure enough, the next slide, right after I filed it, the first, <laughs> first one on the list is church. And I'm like, I don't know if I should be offended or excited that I'm qualified to go get a job somewhere that I could get paid to do nothing. So, you know, it's crazy. I thought, oh, that is just too funny. You know, there's some days you just need a good laugh. I had a good laugh in my office with that. But there are some very interesting get-paid-to-do-nothing jobs out there. There was one that uh, you could stand in line. Apparently, people either are so busy or they just hate standing in line so much that you get paid $19 an hour to wait in line for people, like for tickets or whatever. And to me, that's not doing nothing. That's awful. Like, that's, that's bad. But I thought, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about that when I'm down with it. Another one is like you could get paid to watch Netflix movies all the time, and you have to key in codes, but they said, yeah, it sounds better than reality, because you don't get to pick the movies, and you get stuck with like all the kids' movies and cartoons and all kinds of stuff. But the one that really got my attention was to be a person who reviews mattresses because you get paid to sleep. Wouldn't that be like heaven? I mean, you just get paid to go to sleep, and you rate your experiences and tell people about it. So, you know, we would all love to, at some degree, to, you know, to have it a little bit easier at work and that kind of thing. I thought that was just kind of funny to kind of experiment with that. But I truly want to help take Proverbs. Proverbs applies to every area of our life. Let's face it, you spend, what, Monday to Friday, if that's your work week or whatever, you spend half, maybe more than half of your waking hours, depending on what your schedule is, work, right? With people that are that you didn't necessarily choose to be with. You may, you, you may have chosen the company, but you didn't choose to be with that guy or that person that you're stuck with. And the Proverbs just apply to every, every area of our life. So I'm going to, if you t- would, take your Bible and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6. And we're going to talk about that. So Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says this. It says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, 
and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Obviously, this passage is this. I'm gonna, we're going to look at more than just this passage, but it's telling us that we should be in our work, that we should be diligent about our work. Now, before we kind of talk about that, Proverbs, as we've talked about this, covers so many topics, and unlike a lot of uh, books of the Bible like John, we pretty well walk through kind of passage by passage through it, and we just can't do that in Proverbs. And part of it, you're going to thank me, because this section is in between three chapters that are all about adultery. And we, we probably didn't want to hear three different sermons and don't want to hear that about adultery, but I kind of want to put a little footnote here, if you will. We, we recognize as followers of Jesus that we need to not only believe the right things, but we need to emphasize the right things. Sometimes Christians and churches overemphasize some things that they shouldn't, and sometimes they underemphasize. And we actually kind of try to work hard to just emphasize what the Bible emphasizes, what God emphasizes, and we don't what others, you know, and we don't shy away from anything. So let me just say this, that obviously God cares that we live purely in our lives, sexually and physically, right? Just make an observation. If God takes time to give us three chapters right in a row, like how important this is, then we ought to take it seriously. And it also recognizes that like, this is a big deal. Like, this is a challenge for us. It's something that we have to work on and deal with. So I don't care whether, you know, it's less than a heart, or if it's pornography, or if it's flirting with a coworker, or maybe just even finding security with somebody that you shouldn't and not your spouse, or it's, you know, before marriage, sleeping or whatever. If there's anything that you're wrestling with, just, can I just say, please talk to a pastor about that. We want to help, you know, that's, these chapters are in there for a reason. They're to help us to wrestle with those realities. So that's my disclaimer, all right? That's my, instead of two more sermons on adultery, that's all we're going to get. We're going to now talk about work, all right? So the first thing I want us to recognize when thinking about wisdom at work is that we are told, we are reminded, in fact, commanded to that we are to be uh, diligent about our work. We should take it seriously. And it, you know, the scriptures that said it just takes a little bit of rest, a little bit like, oh, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm just going to take the day off. I'm just going to do this. And if we're not careful that we fall into a life habit of just delaying and excuses or whatever, not being diligent, and we get caught, we end up in poverty in the middle of it. And we're we're enjoined to go look and study ants. Now, I have to admit to you. I did not go find the nearest anthill and spend eight hours, you know, so that I could come up with some great <laughs> sermon illustrations or learn from my life. But let's think about it for a little bit, all right? You know, this, the Bible gives us kind of a, a little segue into It's like, look, you have this little army of ants. If you've ever battled sugar ants in your house, you're like, where are these things coming from? You know, you kind of pull your hair out. You kind of get rid of them. The next day, they're going back again and all of that. They have nobody that is in charge, that's telling them exactly what they're supposed to do. But they dutifully salute in the morning with this little drive, and they will work all day. Trivia question, most ants kind of rest a little bit, not like eight hours like us. Sugar ants and carpenter ants don't sleep at all. They just 24-7 are going at it. Could you imagine your job all day it's just to get in line in front of the next guy, the next person, 
and go grab a little something and carry it back however many miles and back and forth and you know, to and from a server like, Sean, you're describing my work day. That's all I feel like. I get in line with cars and I'm stuck on the throughway and I get in line to get into work and you're describing my world. I feel like that ant. So the first big lesson about being diligent in your work is you shouldn't have to have somebody telling you what to do to make sure that you're doing your job well. You shouldn't have to be a threat or authority. You know, there's always quality checks, but it always undermines things when everybody knows, anybody knows when they're going to get inspected or the boss is in town, because you do things really well then, and then you go back to whatever. What this is telling us is that in, uh, in to honor God in our life and to live our life in a way that, that pleases Him and in this world that, that is out of the overflow of His character, that we shouldn't have to have somebody riding us, telling us to do a good job. We shouldn't have to have somebody making us and ensuring. Instead, we shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be cutting corners and we shouldn't be, should be doing to the best of our ability the job that's in front of us. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. It's called being human, but we should do the best that we can in the middle of it. Somebody once said that discipline is getting up and going to work every day, but diligence is doing it well, doing it to the best of your ability. Now, if we think about the ants, they do this constantly. I mean, just they're, they don't take a break. And I want to be careful here because God gave us a seventh day to what? To rest. So this is not kick in the rear end. We all need to just get out and do more and you can do better and all of that. There is a time that we also need to rest. It to be honest with you, the whole work-life balance thing, I don't want to, this, this is not a message about that. I'm not sure that's even really a legitimate thing. It makes for great blog posts. It makes for great things. I just, I think it's kind of a fallacy. I think there's times you really work hard, you got to do it, and then you need to be wise and back off a little bit. You know, like it's just, you know, you go through it. But, some, but when we play, usually it takes work, does it not? Anybody go camping with your family? That is work. Everything that I like to do and have fun at, it's work. It just like, it is truly work. And some of you are like, yes, Sean, that's why I like the beach. You go hiking, I'm hoteling at the beach. It is not work. I'm like, okay, I'll give you that one. I just don't make enough money to have that kind of lifestyle. So, Truth be known, some of this is actually telling us to go work. It's being careful about even some of your play. You know, you do need to rest. You do need to recharge, and that's going to look differently for everybody and personalities and families and rhythms and all of that. But at the end of the day, the Bible is telling us there's a big danger for you and for me to not take care of business when it comes to making our living and our way in this world that we should be industrious, that the followers of Jesus should be the, the, the busiest people at work in a good way, that we should not be sloughing it off. Some of you may be in a kind of culture, I don't care whether you're a student, sometimes students, I don't understand this mindset so much, they're like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do so well, I'll just you know do it over again and whatever. I'm just like, oh my goodness. And sometimes employees are like, you know, they just, you get a culture of just halfway doing your job because nobody's watching. That's not for you and for me. 
And that might create a little bit of rubbing along the way, because then they're like, why are you showing us up? Like, you need to slow down a little bit, you know? You're showing what we really can do. And, you know, along the way, you've got to say, you know what? God tells me to do well and to do my best, and you've got to do that and work through the other things along the way. But we are told to be careful to give ourselves to work, to pay attention, to be diligent about those things, and to, to give our best. And it gets hard day in and day out. You know, if I could put myself in the mind of an ant, I'm truly glad that I can't because I don't even know if they have a brain and what all that works physiologically. But I could imagine they want a day off. They'd probably be like, I'm good. I'm not feeling so well. I want to, you know, I want to watch a little TV today. I want to kind of chill, you know, and, and want some of that. But they dutifully hop on out, no excuses, do their thing. And in the process, is it not amazing what they accomplish a little thing at a time? I don't know if you ever, if you ever have looked at them, but they can carry stuff really big compared to their size. I don't know how they pull that off. I didn't look up the numbers and all of that. But it's still a little tiny thing. But if you ever looked at an anthill, it's like, comparatively speaking, it's huge what they build and the tunnels they make and the food that they gather and just... Don't underestimate. Sometimes we get discouraged in our work that we're not accomplishing much. And we actually underestimate what we can accomplish over a month or over a year, and we overestimate what we think we're going to get done today. We all do that. We do that at home in our to-do list. We do it at work. But don't underestimate just chipping away in the day in and day out, in the mundane and the grind, and fighting through it. Now, the advantage that ants have over you and me is they don't think a whole lot. You know, they don't have time. Their brain's not sitting there, you know, winding up. This is dumb. This is stupid. Why am I doing this? Why am I having to put up with this? This is awful. I should be doing this. I'd rather be doing that. Gee, I wonder. They're kind of, they don't have a lot going on in their heads, so they're happy to be in line. But nonetheless, what God is telling us, that when it comes to our work ethic, we have to fight through the mundaneness. We have to fight through the obnoxiousness. We have to fight through the... I'm working at a job where I'm not appreciated, I'm not liked, I don't, you know, I don't know why I'm doing this. And we still are told to do our best. No excuses in the middle of that. And the only way that I know that that can actually work well in our lives, guys, is if you actually begin working for God in your heart rather than your employer. If you work for your employer or you work for the benefit, you know, That'll do you to a point. I mean, I'm one to work so I can eat, take care of my family as well, like the next person. But in your heart, you have to really get to the point, if you're going to do this well, that no matter the challenges that you're going through, that you're the constant, that you're the reliable, dependable person in the middle of that, is you have to see your work as being for God and not for your boss, not for the company, not for the perk or the benefit that you get. If you make your work really about the perk or the benefit that you get, it's eventually going to bite you. You're eventually going to be like, I'm not getting enough. You're going to get bitter and feel entitled to more and all kinds of stuff. And you, you've worked at places where people have had that mindset and that kind of culture builds. And we, gotta, we are not to be there, folks. We're to live our life, as you know, and the New Testament tells us that whatever we do in word and deed, do all to the glory of God. And that includes the hours you work day in and day out. So 
the, right, the Proverbs God is telling us is like, pay attention, don't be lazy, don't be sloughing off, don't be taking a siesta when you shouldn't be, do get rest. This isn't being working 24-7. Some of us actually need to be told to not work so much. Some of us do need to be like, uh, you need to chill out a little, okay? Let me go down that road for a second. Notice that the ants, they gather when they can so they've got enough to eat, right? They store away. The ants know there's this reality of economics that they need to bring enough in to eat and have enough to take care of them when the food's not around. Some of us work too much because we just want more stuff. And what we need to do is say, it's okay if I don't have all the stuff. It's okay if I don't have the best of this and the name of that and the, all of this. And it's okay. And sometimes rather than working more, we need to actually be content with what we've got and be patient that that more can come but just might take a little bit longer. And we need to manage that. But we need to work enough to provide for our, what we need and need to become more and more content to decrease the, the outgo, if you will, and, and maintain the income along that way. So learn from the ants and be wise in that. This principle, by the way, doesn't just apply to what you do at work. It really applies to every area of your life. Don't be diligent around your house. If you own a home, Stop being diligent about the things you got to take care of and see what happens to your roof over time and what happens to your, you know, in my case, the boiler, you know, but don't, don't get it serviced. I wake up one morning and the pipes are frozen because the heat's not working and my family's not happy with me, you know. Don't maintain your car. Like this principle applies to every, every of your life. It applies to your family, by the way. And this is the danger of working too much, truly the workaholic. And sometimes in the middle of that, and guys, I think we're more prone to that men I'm talking about than women, but sometimes women get in that too. But we find our identity in our work. And that's what we know to do, and we feel like that's the best way to love my family. And to be honest with you, your family needs your work, but your family needs you, <laughs> not just your work. And don't pay attention and be lazy with your family and the relationships. And you know what happens? You don't have financial poverty you have relational poverty that will take over and grip your home. Don't pay attention and invest with raising your children. By that, I don't mean just transporting them to every game that they could possibly go to or give them every opportunity they could possibly ever have. I mean just investing in them as people, and you will end up in a parenting poverty with your child. It applies in every area of your life. Neglect your relationship with God. Don't be diligent about that. Be lazy in that. Don't take that seriously. You will end up in spiritual poverty. And usually what happens, I notice what we do when we do that, is we tend to blame God. Like, well, I'm cold, and we're acting like, well, God's just not loving me, I'm not feeling it. I'm like, yeah, God's the same. Scripture says He does not change. If there's any changing going on in your relationship, it's you, not God. He doesn't change. And so be diligent. Be careful. I don't want to put a onus on us to like the last thing any of us need is 10 more things on our plate. To be honest with you, the rule of thumb in just general leadership, if you try something new, you need to probably stop two other things. Most of us are too busy, but be diligent. 
Be the employee that your boss and all the coworkers know that you're dependable, reliable, you do a good job, you're faithful, you're on time, and you do it to the best of your ability. And you do it day in and day out, day in and day out, regardless of whatever crazy nonsense is going on. You do that because you want to honor and love God. Second thing that I want you to notice in, in this chapter of Proverbs, we're going to apply this to work. Look at verse 12. The Bible says this, a worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eye, his eyes, signals with his feet, and points with his finger. With his perverted, means twisted, his corrupt heart devises evil, continuously sowing discord, disunity among the people. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. So the second principle at work is be wary of deceitful people. You know, when you're in a brand new job, you don't know where the landmines are. You don't know the relational connections. Sometimes you've worked in a job long enough, you kind of know like the office politics or whatever, and you know what to avoid and what not to. But what this is telling us is to be wise. Christians, we, we are to be loving and gracious and faithful and all of that, but we're not to be dumb, all right? We're not to be naive. And it tells us to be wary, to be careful, to be aware of the people in our world, and we're talking specifically at work, that are deceitful. The whole winking with the eye, you know, the kind of moving of the feet, the pointing. These are people that are scheming. Think office politics, think plans. They're trying to undermine, and they've kind of got their agenda, and they're working their thing, and they're really not working together for the team, or maybe they're talking about the boss or other things that are going on. And what this is saying is, is you stay out of that mess. And be careful that you don't get fooled, because sometimes those folks sound good. Sometimes they're pointing at something that is a problem. You're like, yeah, that is a problem. And sometimes we can get carried away with them into that scheme. And what this is telling us is if you live, if you're in a work environment where that is the office or the work environment, that there is this scheming and conniving and things that are going on like that kind of thing, I mean, one, if you're with a company that's doing illegal stuff, like, oh, I think I need a new job. Like, you get out of that because that calamity is coming. You're not going to be clean in that. You discover that, stay out of it. And if you smell that on the friend, don't take, take that job. Like there was a, I worked at the town office. I won't tell you which one in Vermont because there's nothing bad. I was enjoyed there, but the one of my coworkers' husband worked next door and he ran some sort of financial thing or another, I don't remember. But I just, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I just, it just was not trustworthy in some of the things I heard in dealings and he wanted to hire me and give me a raise. And I, frankly, it was at a time, I think I had two kids, we were living poverty line level, you know, that kind of thing. Could have used some money, but I said, no, I just don't think so. I think I need, thank you, but no. This is saying that those individuals, those businesses and those office politics and those, it's like the reality shows where it's this team and this group that's kind of making a mess. We are, as followers of Jesus, are to stay out of it. And the hope, and that drains morale, that makes you on Monday morning be like, here I go again. Another Monday morning, got to go deal with this and this person that just, oh, you know, what this verse is actually is telling you a hope is that 
you need to realize God pays attention to all of that. And there is judgment coming to them. Now, judgment is God's job. Vengeance is God's job. It's not your job. It's not your job to go in and straighten all of that mess out. Not your job. I mean, it might, if you're the boss, it is your job. And it may, you might need to be speaking to it appropriately at a time. And this is not, we can't get into all those nuances. I'm not even smart enough to get into all those nuances. But you need to have hope and stay out of the fray and stay out of the judgment zone like it's your job to fix and straighten out those people or even in your heart when you're at home and you go home. They're the ones you can't get over and you kind of go home mad. And, and you know how this works, right? Because then we're upset and we're irritated and we go home and then we're kind of upset and irritated with the people we love and they think we're upset and irritated at them and we kind of are letting it come out. It's like, you got to deal with all of that junk and the hope in it is that God sees it, God's going to take care of it. And God almost never does things as fast as we really want. Does He? Does He for you? Doesn't for me. Could He? He made this entire world from scratch in six days. He could have done it in a nanosecond, but I don't know why he chose six days, but he did, and he just, just caused. So, yeah, he can work fast, but he chooses to work slowly, and he's doing it at your work as well. Just because you're at work and your boss or your coworkers don't care about God or they're a flaming atheist or they're whatever their morality and all the craziness or whatever is going on, you need to realize... God is there and in control, and He's going to deal with it. And He has a way of taking care of you in the middle of it. Now, sometimes you do need to quit your job and go find a new job. And sometimes you need to stay, and that's a whole other discernment. I think next week I'm talking about how to make God's Spirit-led decisions. We'll kind of leave that for that day. But have hope. You stay out of the judgment zone and know that God is going to deal with it. And be careful that you don't get fooled and swept into that. And if you've kind of gotten yourself pulled into that mess a little bit, it's hard not to, right? When morale's bad, it's hard not to complain. I struggle with it like everybody else. I want my life to be easy. I don't want headaches and problems. And, you know, it's hard for me not to get pulled into that. And if you have gotten pulled into that, acknowledge it, confess it to God, and say, forgive me, God. And you might need to go to, you, depending on what's going on, you might need to go to your employee and be like, you know what? I just need to back out of that. Or maybe you just avoid it and don't need to talk to anybody. I don't know, but you need to work through that and remove yourself from those that kind of have their schemes and their, you know, their designs and the, the politics that's going on. So be aware of deceitful people scheming to their own end because ultimately it comes to their undoing. Third thing, taking wisdom to work means you also need to be careful with your integrity. Get the force of this verse, guys. There are six things that the Lord hates. Hates these. Seven that are an abomination to Him. It's not that God forgot, like, oh yeah, there's one more. He doesn't add things to His grocery list because He forgot them like you or me. He, it's just a poetic way of saying, like, yeah, there's seven things. This is really the stuff that I hate. First one on the list, haughty eyes. In other words, prideful, a prideful look. These are things you need to avoid in your own heart and need to be a person of integrity. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, 
heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to the evil, doing bad stuff, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. There's a lot of overlap there, but it boils down to pride, lying, somebody who's, who's running to evil or doing wrong or wants to bring harm to other people, and somebody who's bringing disunity. You need to make sure as you are at work that you are a person of integrity, worthy of being an ambassador of the Most High God. You're His representative there. You're His agent there. You know, church can't go in there, but you can go in there. You're His person on this earth representing Him and representing His grace and the goodness of God in that world. And you need to pay attention to your own integrity. Pride is first one on the list. God hates pride. Now, anybody here like to work with a know-it-all? It's exciting, isn't it? It's fun. I can be one like most other people. We all think we're right, because if we thought we were wrong, we would change our mind, and then we'd be right. I mean, it just kind of works that way, right? <laughs> so, But nobody likes to work with somebody who's truly prideful. And the best way to avoid pride is not to just say, I'm stupid, I don't know anything. Like, it's okay to know stuff. It's okay to have confidence. I want my surgeon to have a little bit of confidence. Like, I can do this, Sean. But if my surgeon can't, I want him to know <laughs> when she can't. Like, yeah. Like, I won't go down that road. Uh, <laughs> that was a thought, but we don't need to go down that road. So, have confidence. Know what you can do and not do. And don't be the fool that's afraid to ask for help. Or to admit when you don't know. Don't try to puff up like you know things that you don't know. Be who you are. And the best way to fight it that I find is to say, you know what? I know some stuff, but everything I got comes from God. Now, you don't necessarily need to walk around telling everybody that. You know, don't be that Christian either. That, oh my goodness, you know. I compliment them doing a good job. And it's like they just got a touchdown and they're in there giving thanks to God for every little thing. Like, it's okay for people to know that you're a believer. In fact, not okay, I hope they know that. But in your heart, give credit to God. And pride begins to go way down. And don't be the know-it-all, always the solution, solving everybody's problems and all of that. Watch your pride. God hates it in your heart. And nobody else likes it either. It kinda, it's kind of stinky when it starts coming out our pores on all of us. And God hates lying. He says it twice in two different ways, deceit and lying, which means he, like, he hates it twice as much as he even hates pride, I guess, if we were quantifying that. Most of us don't go out to lie. Don't set out to say lies. You better make sure you're telling the truth. In an academic world, there's a tendency and a temptation for dishonesty to not do the work, and you know, whether you're copying other people's works or writings or fudging, even, even doctoral students will fudge data and all of that stuff. Like, it's all lying. But sometimes we do it at work too. Like, we'll take credit for something, and maybe the boss will compliment, and we just 
won't be transparent as much as we should have been, and we kind of take credit in our heart for something that our coworker did. Like, that's lying, <laughs> you know? Like, be truthful and honest, and if you messed up, say it, and deal with it, and respond, but don't try to hide. And it's, it, it is, actually can be hard to be a person that's always honest, because what it means is, is because we're not perfect people and we mess up, it means we end up being vulnerable along the way. And it means we're admitting to other people that we are not perfect and we've not done things. And that in and of itself is humbling, but don't lie. And don't be deceitful. If you're in a workplace where that's normal and that's common, you be the different person. We're all going to run into this because we're, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's changing your life because... You've surrendered your life to Him, and He loves you, and He's forgiven you of your sin, but He comes and He invades your soul is the only way I know to say it. And He just begins changing everything and making you like Him, and He makes you more and more wanting to be like Him. And folks, God is different than every person on this planet. He's a holy God, and He wants you to be holy, and that by default means you're going to always be a little out of step along the way. But don't be prideful. Don't be... You know, I'm not worth anything, I can't do anything good. It's okay to be confident, but don't be prideful. Don't lie. Be genuine and honest in, in with what you're dealing. And avoid running to doing harm. Sometimes people are doing wrong, and we in our minds will judge them, and we will almost fantasize about doing wrong. And even if we don't carry it out, in God's eyes, it's just as if we've done that. Like we want to backstab or vengeance or we talk bad about somebody or we you know we kind of get our feelings hurt or something and we kind of put a little dig in you know when they're not around the bible says god says i hate that stuff you you in essence are shedding blood when you you know stab their character or their life you know with that stay out of that and ultimately, be the person who's bringing unity to the relationships and not discord. You know, God hates an individual that stirs up things and causes discord. Have you ever known people that just are kind of that way? Just always seems to be like there's a conflict that in, ensues eventually. And ultimately, after a while, you're like, you know what? I think. They're the source of this. You know, you take away wood out of a fire, the fire goes away. You know, it just kind of has happened. And you and I, instead of being that person that is a part of stirring up the pot and causing discord, causing the riot, causing the, the angst and the issues at work, we should be the ones actually, because of the way we're talking, the way we're working, the way we're living, be working toward the unity. Now, I'm not saying covering up. I'm not saying covering for somebody when they're doing wrong. There's a time where you've got to speak up, and initially that feels like disunity. But honestly, when somebody's doing wrong, the disunity is already there. Like there's disharmony, things are a mess. You getting to the truth is a segue. It's a way to bring healing and fixing the problem. But be a part of that and seek to be that. Some of you work in a spot where that's just really hard. People don't get along well for whatever reason, don't like each other, that kind of thing. There's factions and all kinds of stuff. And so I'm not saying that, you know, you take on personal responsibility to make sure everything is working well. You can't do that. 
but you make sure that you're a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. Make sure to the best of your ability, your boss looks at you as someone that puts a smile on her face or his face and helps, not as a detriment to the situation. And I know there's all kinds of stuff that comes out and it's difficult. It's one of those things is teamship. We didn't I missed that earlier, but you know, ants, ants work as a team. We don't ever see ants fighting. Get out of my way. I wanted to be first. You know, I wanted that piece. They're like, okay, they move on. You need to be a team player, a team worker, working as a team. And as best as you can within the Christian principles and all of that world, producing that. And here's why your integrity matters. And I'll finish with this. There are people in your work right now that God is at work in their life unbeknownst to you. And my hope is that they know that you're a follower of Jesus, that you're not one of those obnoxious ones. You don't need to walk in with a T-shirt every day. I love Jesus. I go to church. You know, just you can have those conversations and the way you live your life and do those things and talk to them and let them know you go to church. And even if you know they're not going to come or don't think they'll come, you can invite them to the, the packing party because at the very least they're going to know you care about kids around the world and they're thinking it's going to cool even if they don't come. They'll know that there's something spiritual going on. Those are little seeds that you plant. And some of those people that God's working in their heart, they're watching your life. And your life needs to match what you're saying and who you say you are. A, a buddy of mine told me he's now a pastor, but this is before he became a pastor not too long ago, but he was in his workplace and he had had kind of like a Bible study after hours thing, so it was okay. It wasn't one of those secret, you know, things. People, his bosses knew about it. It was all right. Secular business, uh, secular organization. And uh, anyway, and he, he had that for a time. I don't remember how long it went. And he told me about this one particular guy. I thought, you know, this guy wasn't interested. It was like 10 years ago. And he's like, he wasn't interested. Wasn't interested really that much in God and just kind of had some real objections to the morality of God. Like if God was really a loving God, why would, you know, fill in the blank? There's dozens of things you could fill that in the blank with today. Fast forward years later, and the guy calls him up and said, hey, I'm actually in a bookstore. We're, we're trying to pick out Bibles. And the guy's like, you know, the Christian's like, what? I'm like, yeah, what do you recommend? And then, if, you know, not long after that, he's like, okay, I get it. I'm in. Uh, I, what do you mean you're in? I, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. And the my friend said, you know, I never, I did not think God was at all working that guy's life with his objections and all of that. And he said, what made the difference was this. He said, I saw you and I saw the other guy that I knew that was a Christian. And I watched the way you talked. I watched the way you treated people. I watched the way you worked. I didn't understand all that was going on, but I knew there was something seriously different about it. And it was consistent. And it was consistent with what I heard you talking about. And that's really what made the difference of me being interested in wanting to know more. You are God's best witness in people's lives. And most of it probably happens when you're at work. And I know it's frustrating and hard. And it's not really what's popular Christianese today. But you really are God's missionaries in your workplace. You're his representatives there, bringing salt and light into that world. You're a student in your school. Even our young guys, you're a missionary in your school. You are God's representative 
in those places. You're on campus as a student, you're that. And how you live and how you carry yourself matters. So these things are not just what God wants in our life to be right and to be good. They're things that honor God, but they're actually ultimately things that bless the world around us. So folks, let's be wise about how we work. Let's be wise if you volunteer for other secular organizations, if you're at school, or you do other things, or maybe you're retired, and well, Sean, I don't go to work every day. Well, everybody's with people every day. Don't be the obnoxious jerk wherever you're going. Like, take these principles everywhere, right? And put them into play. And let's ask God to, to work in our lives. I'll give you this last little thing. And I, I feel convicted this is a pastor, the I lied to you. I said it was the last thing. This is the last of the last thing. This is the point of the spear. The survey that we did was really helpful. I'm so glad you guys did. It confirmed, frankly, most, a lot of the, most, if not all the things that our pastors were thinking was just so helpful. And I'm so excited about some of the stuff that we're beginning to work on behind the scenes. And we're going to be meeting with our leaders next week and be sharing some of that stuff with you later on. But it was also convicting in some points. And uh, one of the questions we asked, and I really appreciate the honesty you know, from us as a church family, but we asked, you know, do you pray for other people who are not your family who don't know Jesus you know, frequently? I don't remember exactly how we said it. I don't think we put in there, like, do you do it every week or every month? We just said frequently. Almost half of our church said, no, I really don't pray for people who don't know Jesus with frequency. I have to admit, that's convicting to me as a pastor. I thought, wow, I have not done well there. So my challenge to you is this, live a godly life at work, and if you don't pray for anybody on your way into work, and especially the person that's driving you crazy, even maybe if it's a little bit for your own get a break, God, would you save them? <laughs> would you change their life? <laughs> you know, my life would be better. Like, if we just started praying, you know, for some of those people, and some of you are doing that, and that's awesome. Some of you are not, and you probably feel a little convicted, and it's okay. We probably should all feel that, but let's live out our faith at work. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the truth of his word. Thank you for the truth of your word. And Father, I thank you that you care about how we live, even and when we're at work. And Father, I know that it's a challenge in some of the greatest... Uh, sanctification and difficulties in life can be in our home, but sometimes they're in our work too. And Lord, I pray for your grace. I know some people this morning are hurting with their job and just have relational challenges and difficulties. I pray for your grace for them. Help them to navigate those. Give them wisdom. And Lord, along that way, sometimes the pressure's turned up. And you're allowing the pressure to be turned up because there's people there that are watching how we respond. And they're going to be those one day say, you know, I saw how you handled that situation. There's something different about you, Lord. Help us to live with hope that you're at work in our world and, and daily at, at, when we're at work. Help us to live in a way that pleases you, but that helps other people to know Jesus. And Lord, would you help us to be burdened for those in our lives that don't know you? The reality, Lord, is, is they are lost. They're not on their way to heaven. They're on their way to hell. And Lord, their souls matter. So Father, help us to have a burden for people, I pray as a church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I don't know how God's spoken in your heart this morning, but uh, whatever He has spoken to you or touched you in, would you kind of think about that and focus on that? Maybe you need to pray to Him. You could sing, whatever. If you need to make a commitment that you do something later, that's great. And if you want to talk to a pastor and need to, please do. In fact, the easiest way to do is you just take the little card out from the seat in front of you and just put your name on it and put on the back. I want to see, you know, would like to talk to a pastor or whatever. If you want to talk to one of us, I'm not offended if you want to. In fact, I hope you talk to Steve or Dan, you know, and others. They don't have to talk to me, but talk to somebody. But whatever God's kind of told you in your heart, do that. Mm -hmm.